man, I'm excited. Welcome to Christ's Journey. I'm so happy to greet you on this Merry Christmas 2019. And for everybody who's joining us, not only in our campuses here in South Florida, Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, but what to those who are joining us across the nation, around the world, through social media, I think we're live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and what other, whatever other online venue you are joining us with, we want to send a big greeting out to you tonight. So wherever else in the world you are, I'm going to ask our campuses here, everybody ready? We're going to take a deep breath, I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to give a Merry Okay, so that they can hear us around the world. Ready? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Beautiful. I hope you feel that. Wherever you're hearing us, wherever you're joining us, that you know the love of God and the joy of the season that we have to share. Um, because maybe somebody here can relate to this cartoon I saw. Santa is on the phone. He's obviously talking to a temporary employment agency. He's surrounded by look-alike Elvises. And um, he says, uh, I think there's been a mistake. I asked for 10 elves. Elves. See? You get, you're catching that? Get, you're getting there? Um, you know, even when you're experienced at this Christmas stuff, it can, like, get confusing and chaotic and troublesome to you. Like, I saw this one as well, T-shirt, I'll be home for Christmas and in therapy by New Year's. <laughs> yeah, you know who you are, don't you? You know what family you're talking about now. Uh, or this one, I saw this one, I think it was in North Carolina. Santa's got it right. Uh, visit people once a year. Once a year. So, if you're visiting somebody right now, and this is that once a year time, yeah, uh, have fun. <laughs> no, Merry Christmas. May the love of God and the joy of the season be yours. And I hope what you're taking from this is that uh, we're just aware of the world we live in. You know what? We all carry a huge busy, challenging, regular schedule of life, and then you know what we do? We pile on top of that all these seasonal expectations, right? Crank it up a little bit more, then stir in some family drama. You got to have some of that. Then add a dash of, uh, of lonely longings. Those kind of show up for the ones that we wish we, we could have with us and perhaps aren't able to be with us. And... Uh, and then there's just this touch of, uh, I sort of feel numb. And then you know what you've got? You've got a recipe for a real Christmas. And the reason I'm saying that is because I would like everybody who's joining us, wherever you're making your connection with us, to know that we want to welcome you with real love, with real life. <laughs> and this is the kind of church where you can come in as you are. And whatever it is that, you know, that we're not just going to face over it, we're not just going to smile our way through it, but we're going to say it's okay to bring whatever you're bringing with you to this place because God wants to grace you and mercy you there. In fact, that's what the angel said. The message was peace on earth, goodwill to men. I'd like for us all to say the angel's words together. Could we join together? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. God's desire through Christmas is to bring peace where there's trouble and then grace and favor in our relationships with one another. And, um, and so with that in mind, I'd like to just offer a, a request to God. God, would you grant mercy to our world? 
Our world is troubled. Our world's in need. We could ask God to give mercy to our world. Could we ask God to put mercy on our nation right now, on all of our nations, wherever you're connecting with us around the world? Every nation needs mercy. And our nation, we could say, God, would you just send peace on earth and goodwill toward men? Or maybe we could say, well, let's just, don't, let's just take it out there in the, the nation. Let's just bring it right here to our city, to our town. How about right to your home, right to your marriage? God, would you bring some peace to my marriage some goodwill to my family. And so what we would pray for you tonight is that God's mercy would meet you here with favor and that you would take from this place a sense of peace that comes even when we live in a world of contradiction. It seems like so much contradiction in the world, doesn't it? Which is why this year you might even think that the way we're approaching Christmas is a bit of a contradiction. Those who have been with us for a while know that we've been tracking down a Christmas party playlist. And here's one of the things that seems sort of contradictory about that is that some of the best-loved Christmas songs of all time have Jewish authors and composers. Did you know that? Does that seem like a contradiction to you? That some of the most, the Christmassy songs that make Christmas feel Christmassy have Jewish composers. Like what? Like I'm dreaming of a... Thank you, you know this song, Jewish composer. Or, it's the most wonderful, yeah, Jewish composer. How about this one, kids, Rudolph the Red Nose. Yeah, Jewish composer. Here's another one, chestnuts roasting or, yeah, that's the Christmas song, but it's written by a Jewish composer. Here's another one, have a holly, jolly Christmas, Jewish composer. How about this one, I'll be home for Christmas, same thing. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Yeah, and there's no place like home. Yeah, all those songs. And then this one, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, you know. All these songs and more Jewish composers, but they're Christmassy. They bring us into the sense of Christmas. National news magazines and even movie documentaries have been written about this ironic fact, perhaps not contradictory, maybe ironic is more like it. And uh, so we've seen that as we've been embracing the real world where real people like us live. Um, in our series, we also learned, but we didn't stop there. You know, what we, we learned that in our series, um, these songs aren't the only ones that Jewish composers wrote to help us embrace the meaning of the season. For instance, the entire book of Psalms in the Bible, it's the songbook of Jewish worship. And the first followers of Jesus, this was their songbook. And um, so they, uh, they saw that these songs foretold the coming of Messiah, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. And this was a 1,000 years before Christ was born. In fact, Matthew's gospel, Matthew was a Jewish writer of the New Testament, follower of Jesus. The first line he says is, this is the story of Jesus Christ, son of Abraham, son of David. In other words, if Jesus of Nazareth were to have taken an Ancestry.com DNA test, it would have shown that he was seed of Abraham and son of David. This is historic fact. 
This is not a fantasy we're celebrating. This is a fact. He wanted us to know that. And, um, and yet, the psalmist tells us that this one, seed of David, son of David and seed of Abraham was the one who would be coming in fulfillment of the prophecy, these great ancient promises that came to our world through the Jewish people. Into this dark, sin-scarred, pain-filled, contradictory world. And who knows that story like the Jewish history tells it. And yet, through this, this is how God brings his peace, his love, his joy, his hope to our world. When Mary accepted her place in God's plan, she was so moved, it said she wrote a song. Actually, she wrote the first Christmas song in the New Testament. Did you know that? Mary's Magnificat is what it's called. So something magnificent was happening in her, and she was so moved that she went to her Jewish songbook, the book of Psalms, and she took out eight different texts from eight different songs, and she wove them into her own song about how awesome it is to be favored by God. And the peace that came upon her because God's favor had come to her. And then... The writers of the New Testament, they, they used the same songbook, and they saw at least 18 different indicators that the psalmist had said, watch for this, because when Messiah comes, this is what he's going to do. This is what he's going to look like. This is what he's going to say. This is what he's going to... And they saw those, and so the writers of the New Testament said, we see those in Jesus. These Jewish songs celebrating Messiah so they tell us, how do we recognize him when he comes? And then the one that I want to look at just for a few, just a few moments right now is Psalm 2, because the whole purpose of that psalm is to tell us how to respond when you recognize him. When the one who is begotten by God, this is what Psalm 2 says, when the one born, the king, the one born king, the one begotten by God, like John says, the only begotten of the Father, the one declared to be his son. When Messiah arrives, how should we respond? Psalm 2 says this, serve the Lord with reverence, rejoice with trembling because he's got power at his disposal. But then he says this, kiss the son. It's like this act of tender respect and submission to his leadership in life. It's like he's saying, now be sure and honor his power, but also find refuge under his blessing. And then the rest of the psalm speaks specifically to people in power, people with money, people with military might, people in power, kings and rulers. It kind of puts them on notice. It's like this warning banner. It says, hey, don't get all caught up in yourself playing power games and rebelling against God. Why would you devise such things in your own head when the king of kings is here? And then there's this, uh, this warning, you know, watch out because you might be destroyed in your resistance. His power is so great. Psalm 72 is another word to kings. From a thousand years before this king was born, and this is what it says, kings of distant shores will bring tribute and present gifts. Does that sound like a Christmas story? You know like about three kings that came and put their gifts down and honored and respect and reverence for the king of kings. Kind of reminds me of the afternoon, uh, Christmas afternoon, five-year-old little girl, Ruth, 
was asked, well, did you get everything that you wanted for Christmas? And she said, no. But then after a moment's reflection, she said, but then it's not my birthday. Which is what we're trying to remember tonight. Maybe also why the Christmas, uh, my favorite Christmas TV special, I don't know if it's yours or not, but the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, he's so frustrated. He just can't quite find his groove. He can't feel Christmassy. And finally, in the middle of it, he just shouts out, can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? And then Linus steps up and gives the gospel story from the Gospel of Luke and tells the story about how the angel said, don't be afraid because there's good news of great joy for all people, and then tells about a Savior being born. In other words, Linus just explains that Christmas really is about Jesus, it's not about us. And it helps Charlie find his bearings for life. You know, and speaking of the three kings, the three kings may be the only non-Jews in the entire Christmas story. Did you know that? Did you know that? What we're going to do tonight is we're just going to share a few insights from some, an old story, maybe have some new thoughts, and, uh, and then share some stories, true stories from kids about the meaning of Christmas. But the three kings, they might be the only non-Jews in the whole Christmas story. And I say maybe because there are even scholars who think that the reason they were paying attention to the star is because they were familiar with the Hebrew texts that foretold the one who would come, and they were actually rabbis who had been taken captive after the Persians had, uh, after the people had been taken into exile. And that's why they were paying attention. And then in the dark night when the light shone and they started following it, then it took them to the Messiah. But all the other players in the Christmas story, they're all Jews. Like Mary, the adolescent mother, the young adult, the young woman who was given an opportunity to be about changing the world. Joseph, the, uh, her fiance, the working class craftsman, the dirty nomad shepherds, the, the, uh, the baby Jesus, son of Abraham, son of David. The villain power politician, King Herod, who was wealthy and had power, but was really kind of missing the whole point. I'm thinking, what a lineup is this? What a crazy party. I mean, what an invitation list is this? You ever been to a party and catch yourself wondering how the host came up with this invitation list? I mean, surely nobody here would do that, but I mean, you might know somebody who would. And you're at the party and you're trying to figure out, I wonder what the connection of that person is with, how did they get invited But this is like, this is what the Christmas story invites us into. This is the invitation list that God has in mind. That God in the new covenant embraces the old covenant and then brings together a brand new experience of the party of Christmas where there's room for everybody here. That the angel's word says, good news of great joy for all people. So that God is inviting Jew and Gentile alike, the poor and the powerful, the educated and the illiterate, and there's room for everybody at his party. And so in his story, from the cradle to the cross to the glory of heaven, God is saying, my heart is big, my story is large, and there's room for everybody in it who wants to be there. And that's what the herald angels were singing about. That's what the message was all about, which reminds me of another story about the Sunday school teacher. She's asking her, child, her class if anybody knows what the Christmas angel's name was. You know, one little guy said, Harold. 
He's in the song, Herald the Angel Sang, right? I think she was looking for Gabriel. But the message is the same. By, by the way, did you know that that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is really another one of those mashups between a Jewish composer and a hymn writer? The Jewish composer was Felix Mendelssohn, the great classical composer. The hymn writer was uh, Charles Wesley. And somewhere along the way, those got mashed up together, and now what we have is this amazing Hark the herald angels sing. Felix Mendelssohn was born grandson to Moses Mendelssohn, who was the, uh, the preeminent philosoph Jewish philosopher of the German Enlightenment. If you read his article, the article about him in the Library of Congress, it'll tell you that, um, that two of his six children retained their Jewish faith, two converted to Catholicism, and the remaining two embraced Protestantism. That was Felix's father's choice, Abraham. Abraham Mendelssohn was one of those. And his son Felix was then, he chose his baptism as a, an older child, a young, uh, young person. And uh, by the way, his name means happy. Felix means happy. And of his many, he was a child prodigy composer, and of his many compositions, here's one that you might recognize. Listen to this. tremendous composition called the Elijah. I want us just to hear one quick word from it. Can we just play a little bit, please? that not simply because it's magnificent music that's timeless and rich and excellent, but because of the words. The words come right out of the experience of Elijah in the Bible when his nation was in such turmoil. I mean, things were upside down. It felt like the reality was coming unraveled. And yet God's word speaks into it like a streak of light in a dark sky and says, if with all your heart you truly seek me, you will ever surely find me. And the reason I want to share that is because that might be the word that somebody's been waiting for tonight. That might be a surprise that God has for you. Because you came in bringing whatever it was from wherever you've been and feeling that sort of drama and numbness and, and wondering, hey, when is this ever going to, and I'm going to go play Smiley at church. No, maybe this is what God wants you to hear, that if with all your heart you truly seek him, then you will find him. And you know why else I'm telling you that is because Jesus quoted that verse. He, he stated that reality, if he didn't quote it verbatim. He said, you know, if you ask, you will receive. Jesus said, if you seek, you will find. If you knock, then the door will be opened, but there's a part that you have to play in this. 
that God is willing for you to find him. God is willing for a change to come, but you've got to say, and I'm willing too. And that's where the good news of great joy. The angels show up and they say, man, we've got great news of great joy and it's for all people. Nobody's going to be left out. Messiah has come. And if you seek him, you will find him. And then it's like they go, and there he is. But they still had to seek him in order to find him and then to experience him. And listen, it's for Jew and non-Jew alike, the good news of great joy is the Messiah has come to save. That means he comes to forgive, he comes to heal, he comes to bind up the wounds, he comes to put the pieces back together. For all people have said, that's for people like me. Maybe even people like you. People who no matter, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what has not happened that you wanted to happen and it still hasn't happened yet, no matter what hurt you bring in, no matter what hang-up has got you snagged, no matter what circumstantial headache just won't turn you loose when you go to bed at night, that God is saying, I'm here and I've come to save. I've come to heal. I've come because people matter to me. In, in fact, Jesus taught that people are the most valuable gifts that any of us can experience in our lives. That people are made in the image of God. And in fact, when God chose to reveal God's self to people, he did it as a person. That's the message of Christmas. That God chose, almighty, infinite God, chose to reveal God's self through a baby that became a a person who grew, who lived, and lived his life as a person, and then gave his life as a person on behalf of people so that a way could be opened for all who will seek him to find him and forever be with him as a beloved person. That's the gospel. That's the, that's the Christmas story. And he does it not because we're good, but because he's good. He doesn't wait for us to get it all together. He says, I'm in there with you, and I can help. It reminds me of another story. This little boy was writing to Santa Claus, you know, Dear Santa Letter. He writes to Santa, there are, th Santa, there are three boys that live at my house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. There's Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering, maybe, uh, maybe Norman is telling the truth as he wishes it to be. Um, but my hunch is that Norman's probably like each one of us, that he's not really good all of the time. That there may actually be some time when Norman needs to be forgiven for something that he said or something that he's done. There may actually be a time when Norman needs to, to be corrected. No, this is, there might actually be a time when Norman needs to say, I'm sorry. And you know what the gospel is telling us, what the Christmas story is telling us is that when, when people who need to say, I'm sorry, say I'm sorry to God, that God says, and you're forgiven. And that that's at the heart of the Christmas message. They, the angel told Mary and Joseph, be sure and name him Jesus. Why? 
because he will save his people from their sins. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save. He'll forgive, he'll heal, he'll put the pieces back together. Forgiveness means a clean slate. Forgiveness means a chance to begin again. Forgiveness means a brand new start. Forgiveness means that where you've been in the past does not have to hold you there and you can never rise beyond it. It means that he has come. His gift opens up the gift of your life's future. That's the Christmas we're celebrating. Can you imagine if everyone whom the angel said, this is coming for you, Great news, great joy for all people. Nobody's left out. Can you imagine if everybody for whom the news first came actually said, I'd love to have some of that peace and favor. If they were to receive their new beginning, would the world be different? If everybody that God gave the gift to and for received it, would the world be different? Would our nation be different? Would your family life be different? Would your marriage be different if the people in it were to say, Lord, we receive our new beginning? It was sometime after Christmas, the family's busy cleaning up the Christmas mess, they're putting everything away, and as they take the tree down, their son says, what are you doing? And they say, well, we're, we're putting all the decorations away, we're putting it back in the box. And, but why are you doing that? Mom says, well, because we, we want things to get back to normal. And he says, but what if I don't want things to go back to normal? Here's why I have to ask you, why are you here? Why did you come tonight? Now, I already know some of the answers. You know, it's what we do. It's what we do. That's why we're here. It's what we do. Or somebody else is thinking, well, it's Christmas. Of course, you know, it's what we do at Christmas. We, we go light a candle and sing a song, and it's what we do. Or maybe you're thinking, well, they invited me. Don't look at them, but they, you know... They invited me. That's why I'm here. They dragged me in here. They wouldn't leave me alone, and now here I am. By the way, if you were invited and you, took the, you accepted the invitation, can I say thank you? And can I also say how fortunate you are to be so loved, to have somebody in your life who wants to share the joy of this season in a world as contradictory and as hard as ours is right now, to find a place where we could pause and say, God wants to give you peace. God wants to bring some favor into your life that somebody would invite you and thank you for taking them up on it. But here's where I'm going with that. What if, what if there's a larger reason afoot? What if maybe God has you here and is wanting to surprise you so that th things don't have to go back to normal for you? If God had another opportunity for you, then would you be willing to receive it. If he were to surprise you, that you didn't come in here expecting it, but if he were to surprise you and say, I'll meet you in your hurt and I'll offer you a new beginning. If God were to say, you know, you don't have to go back to normal, that there's a way to rise above normal, what you call normal, that there's a way to push through and move beyond what you've been calling normal. What if God wanted to say, you know, that stuff you've been calling normal, what if I could show you a whole new normal? Would you be willing to go? Because that's what Christmas is trying to do. God's just saying, 
I've got a new normal for you and a larger plan of blessing. Would you like to get in on it? And that's where receiving the gift of Christmas, how do we do that? Well, the Gospel of John makes it really clear. To all who receive him, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, to those who believe in his name, that means you trust in his character, that he is who he says he is, as God's son, your savior, and then he gives you the right, the authority to experience life as a spiritual firstborn of God. That God, Jesus actually is sharing the authority of his firstbornness as God's family so that you can experience it too. Maybe this is a night to think about a new normal. Would you pray with me? And I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what you've been troubled by or tangled up in. I don't need to. God does. And God cares for you very much. You matter to God. And he wants me to tell you that he is here for your healing, for your forgiveness, for your help, so that joy and peace and a new beginning can introduce you to another kind of normal than what you've been calling normal. So brother, sister, I just invite you, if you're open to that, would you just lean into it right now? You don't even have to say anything. You can just, in your mind, in your heart, you can say, lean in. If God, if that's what you have, then I'm, I want to get closer to that. Or maybe for somebody, you just know, somehow you know that you are coming to the end of an old story and it's time for a new story to begin. And this is the night it's supposed to happen. This is the very moment. And if that's you, then I want to offer a prayer that maybe can voice what God is putting in your heart and you can join me in it. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming for me in Jesus Christ. I am open to a new normal in my life, so come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit as I turn from my way and learn to follow you and walk in your way.